0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Buckle Bomb Show here on BMP Sports. My name is Bobby. I'm so happy to be here to talk professional wrestling with you once again. This time on a Friday. Who knows when we're coming out at this point. Our schedule is always so wonky. But I am here, as always, joined by, my, by broadcast partner, Anthony Rohn. Tony, how you doing, buddy?
1: Buddy, it's great to be here and talk professional wrestling with you again this week on a very WWE-heavy episode of the buckle bomb show
0: yeah wwe heavy a lot of us or me and tony both have had exhausting weeks Uh, a lot of stuff going on you know i work in the restaurant business so it's valentine's week and i've just been getting my butt kicked and i was off last night and i planned on you know getting the show ready and then talking to tony about setting, setting up when we're gonna record and all that but I wanted to take a nap first, and I just slept pretty much until this morning. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I was just so exhausted. And Tony's had a hell of a week, and he had to work open to close today. So this is a late Friday. SmackDown's currently on. So by the time this uh, gets on YouTube, SmackDown will, will already be over. We're obviously not watching it. We're recording. But we haven't watched a lot of this week's wrestling. Tony hasn't even seen... The Cody-Sammy promo, which I made sure I got to watch that at least. But uh, So we're a little light and not quite up to date on everything that's going on. But uh, we will talk about and preview uh, Elimination Chamber and New Japan's uh, Battle in the Valley, both happening tomorrow night as of this recording. Uh, but I feel like this has been going on for a few weeks now. I even did say it last week. We always have to start the show off with some sad news lately, and it's happened once again. Uh, Last week, we had Memphis legend Jerry the King Lawler uh, go down with a stroke. Luckily, he survived, and it looks like he has at least the possibility of a full recovery. Uh, But then this week on Valentine's Day, Tuesday, uh, we lost his longtime partner, Jerry Jarrett, now, Jerry Jarrett, uh, he grew up in the business. His mother, Christine Jarrett, uh, was uh, hired by Nick Gulas in the mid to late 40s, I believe, to sell tickets to the wrestling shows. And she very quickly worked her way up in the ladder and was actually helping promote the shows when Jerry Jarrett started Continental Wrestling in 1977. It was with his mother, with Christine. They were co promoters of that territory, which was the Memphis Territory, Continental Wrestling. Of course, we all know Jerry Jarrett or Jerry Lawler would come in and be a huge part of that. And uh the most recently uh Jerry Jarrett's been on uh the Vice program, the spin-off of uh Dark Side of the Ring, uh all about the wrestling territories. And he was on the, the very first episode, I believe, was on the Memphis, it was on Continental. So, and he was on that with his son and with Jerry Lawler and some of the other uh, well known Memphis wrestlers at the time telling great old stories. I love that. Uh, Tony, what was your, well, what, what are your thoughts on the legacy of Jerry Jarrett?
1: When it comes to Jerry Jarrett, I mean, you just kind of got to look no further than let me just rephrase this and I'm not going to lie because I'm not as much of a wrestling historian as Bobby is, but when it comes to Jerry Jarrett, all you have to look at is how much of a high regard his son, Jeff Jarrett holds for him. Myself personally didn't know a whole lot about Jerry until, uh, believe it or not, the Ric Flair last match angle. uh, When Jeff went on his, my world podcast, and broke down the history of Jerry Jarrett. Um, and then, of course, watching uh, the territory spinoff of Dark Side of the Ring, he was actually a panelist on a lot of the episodes, and uh, he had a lot of very interesting stories. Uh, he also spoke about his mother a little bit and the ticket sales on that show. Um, it's very hard to wrap your head around what we've been saying all along, what we been saying for the last couple of weeks unfortunately starting off this show every week talking about deaths and health crises and things of that nature it's very sad and especially when somebody who's had such an impact on the business such as Jerry Jarrett has had uh, it's going to leave a hole in promoting uh, a hole that maybe Jeff is going to be able to fill, but man, it's just crazy to think the legacy and the matches that we got because of Jerry Jarrett.
0: Yeah. He was longtime business partners with Jerry Lawler uh, in Memphis, obviously. And uh, you know, a lot of people, I I feel like a a lot of the way people sort of think about him today is through Bruce Pritchard's podcast where he's just kind of uh, a little bit of a joke with his, well, well, you know, kind of uh, impression of him. Uh, and, and Jerry Jarrett didn't always get along with Bruce Pritchard. He didn't always get along with Jeff. Jeff and Jerry famously didn't talk for many, many years. Uh, but thankfully, during the last several years, they had reconciled and they'd been close. Obviously, um... I mentioned earlier that Jerry Jarrett had started uh, Continental Wrestling in 1977 with his mother. And then, of course, we all know in 2002 or 2003, he would start TNA with his son, Jeff. So he was he was always working and always promoting. I, mean, I got some pictures up over here ready. Here's a picture of Jerry, Jeff, and the King. And uh, there's another one here. This is from the Vice program that we were talking about. Um and here's a couple of young pictures. Look how much he looks like Jeff here he looks so much like his son in the in these couple of pictures here. It's kind of crazy but uh yeah it was he had his whole life was in wrestling second generation, so it's pretty crazy to to think about but uh yeah, just uh and, and Speaking to his respect within the business, he was hired by the WWF at one point because Vince McMahon might go to jail with the steroid trial in the early 90s. And he was hired as a potential booker and promoter to replace Vince temporarily if, if, uh, if Vince were to go to jail which seemed almost likely at one point. So that tells you about the respect he had within the business, uh, despite, you know, uh, Bruce Pritchard sort of making fun of him and sort of the way he's been thought of in more recent years. But he's, yeah, he, he has an indelible mark on the industry and on Memphis wrestling in particular. And, uh, you know, his the legacy of a promotion he started is still going on today with Impact Wrestling. So just just an incredible, incredible... Uh, mind for the business that we lost. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to better news. We're going to just, we just have two previews that we're going to do today. We're going to do a Battle in the Valley preview, which is tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. It starts during the last hour of Elimination Chamber, which is uh, kind of interesting. And then we'll talk about Elimination Chamber after this. But we're going to start with Battle in the Valley, uh, which kicks kicks off at 10 10 p.m. There is a kickoff show, and I'm going to move this over here to this with the card I've got set up. There is a kickoff show that starts at uh, 6.20 local California time, 9.20 Eastern. Um, I don't know. We can, we can go ahead and talk about the kickoff matches real quick. Alex Coughlin and J.R. Kratos. I've heard of Kratos, I think, but I don't really know either one of these competitors. you know anything about them?
1: Not much. Uh, very yeah. fleeting matches and other promotions. Uh, David Finley and Bobby
0: Fish is someone I certainly know Bobby Fish and I've, I've heard of David Finley. Uh, is anything interesting about this match pop to you?
1: Uh, very much so. I think David Finley's going to win. Uh, I had no idea that Bobby Fish was going to be wrestling on a New Japan card. Um, then again, you know, the whole impact uh, multiverse of matches they're doing with New Japan. All right, I can get that.
0: All right, and here we go. The first match listed is an eight-man tag team match, it looks like. Wow. Let me, let me zoom this back out here. Um, but it's got Rocky Romero, Josh Alexander, Adrian Quest, Mascara Dorada versus Volador Jr., Kushida, Kevin Knight, and the DKC. A 20-minute match for... This swear it had maybe not. uh yeah, just it, it just looks like a an eight man tag team match.
1: it's so. just an eight man tag. there's no implications on this match. um yeah, very interesting that Josh Alexander is on uh, Rocky Romero's team, the Booger of New Japan. so
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Cat's going crazy behind me. I apologize. Uh, So, and and they're obviously, I would assume that this match, and then there's the 30-minute match here for the... uh, Again, it doesn't say. It says, is this for the TV championship? Is this Kenta defending or uh, challenging Fred Rosser? Is this the TV championship?
1: Uh, Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you man.
0: No, it's not the TV championship. Defending some championship that's not listed. Fred Rosser and Kenta. You know anything about this match?
1: Uh, I know Kenta's going to win. Uh, He's going real strong right now with his Bullet Club uh, membership. And I think I'm going to be talking about him more towards the end of this card.
0: Oh, really? Interesting.
2: Let me... Interesting. Eighth defense of what? All right. And that'll
0: probably take up about the first hour of the show, which we know is not going to be watched all that much. So I'm sure they're hoping Elimination Chamber is over by about the time this match is over here with Genta. I would imagine. So that way they can get uh, their uh, strong open weight tag team championship match. Uh, we'll get a few more eyes. You got Alex Alex Shelley and Chris Saban defending their championships against Gerald Nelson and Royce Isaacs. Uh this mm. match interests you any uh
1: anything the Mercy machine guns are a part of always interests me. Yeah. They're that w- one tag team from old school TNA that is still together and still just absolutely crushing it in every circuit that they wrestle in. So <laughs> I mean, and plus the reality of it is, I just watched um, Wrestling Revolvers a night at the Moxbury uh, pay per view they did, and Alex Shelley was a solo competitor on that card, and I did not realize the amount of tag team titles that the Maurice Machine Guns currently hold.
0: Well, it looks like they've got the strong openweight championships. I don't know about any others. This is their yeah, third defense of that belt
1: it's three other indie promotions that they hold the tag team titles for. And it's just mind boggling how old these guys are. And they're still able to draw money. Good on them. Love the Mercy machine guns. They're going to win. In case
0: I forget, remind me about indie promotions in the open jabs. There's something I read today about Cody Rhodes and what he might do for WrestleMania gear. So, uh, I don't want to forget that. I forgot that before the show. I didn't talk to you about it, so just remind me that, and I'll give you that bit of news. And my nipples
1: are now erect.
0: (laughs) Uh, Here's a big match for the American audience for sure here in California and in the U.S. Eddie Kingston versus Jay White, the former NWGP heavyweight champion, or IWGP heavyweight champion, excuse me, with a 30-minute time limit. How excited are you for this match? Who do you think is winning?
1: This is a loser leaves Japan match. And, uh, right, right. Okay, that's right. I forgot that. We all know that stipulation. We all know the Mad King is going to win this. And here is how I know it's going to win this because there has never, ever been a leader of Bullet Club who has left Japan without being unceremoniously. Kicked out by the incoming leader. Um, AJ was kicked out, or let me take this back. Prince Devitt was kicked out by AJ. Well, before AJ, it was the good brothers, and then AJ came in the next night. Yeah. Um, AJ was kicked out by Kenny Omega, and Kenny Omega and the elite as a whole was kicked out by Tamatanga and Jay White. Um, gotcha. So
2: potentially Kenta will be
1: the new leader of Bullet Club or the Mad King himself will sit on top of the Japanese faction throne and we will see Eddie Kingston crowned as the new leader of Bullet Club.
0: Do you think they'll do that with a an AEW contracted wrestler where AEW is about to start doing house shows and he's going to be even less available?
1: uh the two big the biggest tag team that bullet club has right now is contracted the impact and they do more american dates than they do anything overseas and eddie kingston is constantly on new japan strong
0: okay all right we'll move on we got a 50 rules fight no dqs no ring ropes homicide versus tom lawler interested in this match sounds like a very interesting much.
1: concept very much. Homicide, if you know anything about early TNA, was one of the original members of the Latin American Exchange with his tag team partner, Hernandez. And Filthy Tom Lawler is just straight up bust you in the mouth wrestler. Uh, Bloodsport 6, his match against uh, John Moxley, was a classic for the Bloodsport series. Um, Homicide has moved more into the uh, deathmatch arena. Uh, He's constantly performing for GCW. Uh, So for a Japanese pay-per-view, let me rephrase that. For a New Japan pay-per-view to have a match like this on the card is very intriguing, and I'm curious to see where it's going to go.
0: All right. Up next, we got a New Japan TV title uh, match for... uh, Zack Sabre Jr. defending his title against Clark Connors. Who do you think walks out as the world television champion?
1: Clark Connors is on the rise. He's going to be a great wrestler one day. But it's not Zack Sabre Jr.'s time to relinquish it. Therefore, Zack Sabre going over. Okay.
0: All right. And then we've got our double main event. I'll be interested to see on what actually goes on last because they've been pushing the heck out of the women's Championship match. And I think it's got the bigger American stars in it. Um, up first, we've got... We'll go ahead and talk about that one first because it's listed first here. Kyrie defends her championship in her second defense against mercedes Monet, the former Sasha Banks. Uh, this is a match I really want to see. I'm excited to, to watch uh, Mercedes because she had that one botch during her... Uh... Debut with New Japan a couple of, or a month or so ago. you know, she's been getting some, some people making fun of her online. There are some uh, people that hate anyone that leave WWE. Those, ugh. you know so those people put aside, I think this is going to be a great match. These are people that have wrestled before they know each other, they've wrestled each other in WWE. Uh, so now here they are on a big stage for a big promotion for a brand new championship. That's getting pushed really hard that I think will be last on the card. What do you think of this match? Are you looking forward to it? And who do you think wins?
1: Of course I'm looking forward to it, but let's make no mistake about it. Uh, Mercedes Monet's segment made three different segments of botchamania. It wasn't just one botch. <laughs> um, see, here's where I get conflicted. Uh, they practically backed the Brinks truck up for mercedes Monet, but there's something to be said about prestige of a title and especially in New Japan especially with the International Wrestling Grand Prix so it's a toss-up and it could go either way for me uh, but mercedes Monet, I guess would have to be the obvious choice but yeah, it pains me to say it.
0: Uh, yeah, I, and I'd like to see Kyrie. Obviously, this is a brand new title; is she's the first champion, and it's only her second defense. You'd like to see her have a longer run. I love Kyrie, uh, but obviously, with Mercedes coming in, she's the name. She's the big, huge star, and if it is indeed a long-term contract with New Japan that she has, I mean. There, I don't think there's anyone more visible you could put that belt around right now. And it's about putting butts in seats and trying to get uh, your promotion out there. And they're really making, a, as you said, that the new band has been making a big push here in America. And so I think putting that title around the waist of Mercedes uh, is exactly what they want and what they need right now. All right. And then we've got the Men's World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Okada versus Tanahashi. Okada in his second defense here. Uh, Do you see Okada losing to Tanahashi?
1: It would be the biggest swerve in New Japan history if Tanahashi goes over on Okada in this match. Uh, For our viewing audience that doesn't really know anything about New Japan, Kazuchika Okada is the Japanese equivalent of what John Cena is to the WWE. Um, And for his second defense and heading into a giant uh, Forbidden Door-esque pay-per-view with Impact, and coming up on Forbidden Door 2 with AEW within the next couple months. I think Okada's probably riding it out through October.
0: All right, there you go. Okada's going to hold on to his IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, according to Tony. Uh, I'm excited to watch this show. Uh Obviously, I'll be watching Elimination Chamber through its conclusion, but then I'm immediately going to switch over and start watching this. I'm a New Japan noob, but I want to learn more about all these people, especially if I got a pro wrestling podcast. I want to be able to talk about this a bit more knowledgeably and not rely on Tony. All right. That'll do it for Battle in the Valley tomorrow night at 10 o'clock. Before that... We've got Elimination Chamber at 8 o'clock. And this is a big, big show with a lot of implications going into WrestleMania. Uh, So we'll go ahead and jump right into this. And we'll start off right away talking about a huge match with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. This, it's their third match. It's the rubber match. They've each won one match. This isn't a WrestleMania-level match, quite frankly, so it's a little odd. They obviously want star power for Elimination Chamber. It's a little odd that they're having it this early. So could we see a swerve here to get us to a rematch at Mania?
1: I think so. I mean, if you look at any dirt sheets online right now, they're talking about a potential new member coming into the Hurt Business. There's how Lashley gets the victory. Hey, It was an interference. That's bullshit. Let's run it back at Mania. No DQ, no holds barred, whatever they want to call it now. And that's how you're going to get Brock on top.
0: Right. So a bit of a heel turn for Bobby Lashley. He's back in the Hurt Business, and you screw over Brock. Or you have some sort of uh, DQ or non-finish to get us to Wrestlemania in a rematch with some sort of gimmick match, a cage match or something along those lines with Lesnar and Lashley could be interesting at Mania, but you mentioned the, it was a little report from uh, The Observer and good old Uncle Dave uh, who, who brought up that they may be considering bringing up... Um, uh, excuse me, what's his name?
1: Was it Carmelo uh, Hayes or Trick Carmelo, Williams?
0: No, Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo, Bringing up Carmelo Hayes uh, to be in the Hurt business. The interesting wrinkle to that is Carmelo Hayes has a big NXT championship match against Braun Breaker coming up. If... Carmelo Hayes is being called up to the main roster with the Hurt Business. Could that mean then that Brom Raker wins and he's staying down at NXT for a little while longer? Or, alternatively, could they keep Carmelo Hayes on NXT, have him be NXT Champion as a part of the Hurt Business, and sort of extend the Hurt Business to NXT as well? That'd be an interesting way to do it. and You get MVP down there. Uh on the road with NXT a little bit.
1: No, you're looking at this all wrong. Think back in that big, beautiful brain of yours. How did Kevin Owens make his debut on Monday night? Raw? Ooh. Uh, I did.
0: I wasn't watching at the time. I remember seeing it, but I don't remember what it was.
1: He came back as NXT champion, making his debut on raw challenging John Cena for the United States championship.
0: Ah, he was NXT champion at the time. Was he?
1: Yes, there have been many instances where an NXT champion will appear on the main roster or get their call-up while being NXT champion. So, I mean, it's not unlikely to think that Carmelo will win the championship and be on the main brand while defending on NXT television.
0: But do you think they would call up Carmelo and Braun Breaker at the same time? No. And now NXT is losing two of their top stars? So,
1: no, not a prayer. Um, Booker T himself says Broad needs more work. Okay,
0: all right. A lot of people want him to be brought up sooner rather than later because he is definitely a star. Uh, but I'm not going to disagree if if maybe he, someone thinks he needs new work. Who's been in the business for as long as Booker T has? So, uh, all right, we'll go ahead and move on to the next match they have listed here. Edge and Beth Phoenix versus the Judgment Days, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. I see the Judgment Day going over in this match. How about you?
1: I see a box of Kleenex. I mean, uh, I see Edge and Beth going over. Well,
0: let me, I, I do think we're going to get a Rhea Ripley pin in this. I think Rhea Ripley will pin Beth Phoenix in this match. I think that's how it ends.
1: Or she pins Edge.
0: Well, if it's...
1: <laughs> Unfortunately,
0: in WWE, you don't have the intergender matches, so you can't do that if one female is legal, the other female has to be legal, and then...
1: ta 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 Miss you say. There's been mistaken pinfalls in professional wrestling tag team matches before. And on top of that, if there is two women on the WWE roster right now that you could switch the rules for one night and make it intergender, you're looking at them.
0: I don't disagree, but I don't think WWE is going to be doing that anytime soon.
2: I'm still going with Edge and Beth.
0: <laughs> you're still going Edge and Beth to win? Yep. Okay. And where do you think that puts us at WrestleMania? Because we know Ray Ripley's got a a title opportunity against Charlotte. So where does that put the other three going into WrestleMania?
1: Well, we obviously know it's leading towards Dominic and Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some rumblings from time to time that they're looking for a new leader for Judgment Day to pull Finn out of this. Uh, we may just see the entire... Implosion of Judgment Day before
2: WrestleMania. Mm.
0: But then, where does that leave Dominic in going into his fight against Rey Mysterio? If you need, if you need Dominic to look strong against Rey and look like he has a shot, he kind of needs, needs that heel group behind him. I don't. I mean, certainly he'll have Mommy in his corner,
1: but. And with the power of mommy Christ, that's all you really need. (laughs)
0: All right. We'll go ahead and move on to the next match that we're going to talk about. And it's going to be, I want to skip the women's. I'm going to go straight to the men's for a minute. The men's, uh, elimination chamber match for the United States championship. We got Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, Seth Rollins, Damian Priest, uh, and Austin Theory. Oh, I'm I'm forgetting uh, the Street Profit there, and I. Carmelo Hayes, is that it? That's NXT. No, I, I just I, we were just talking about Carmelo Hayes. Uh, I'm so, I've been bad
2: with names lately. Help me out. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now.
1: Dawkins is the other one.
0: Oh, so we're both there. It's been a long week, guys. I apologize.
1: Guess who sucks at wrestling? Guess (laughs) Um, who sucks at wrestling? Montez Ford. Montez Ford. Of course.
0: Jeez, how do we forget that? Because he's someone who could break out and be huge.
1: Um, I'll tell you this much. If he wins this match, that's going to be the end of the Street Profits.
0: Yeah, could be. Do you really think he's winning this match, though? I think Uh, in Theory. I think Austin Theory comes out on top still because he's meant to be that kind of chicken shit heel that could lose at any moment. And so you put him in a match like this, it's like, how does he escape? And those are the times when you get him to escape by some dastardly means and he gets out of out of the match, still champion and with a lot of heat. What do you think?
1: Well, I'll tell you who doesn't have a prayer in hell and that's Bronson Reed. <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah. He's a great wrestler. I just wish he would have stayed on the Indies. He would have had such a better shot at doing anything memorable like when he was in New Japan and Impact. Um, If Austin Theory wins this, I think he's going to go into a feud with probably Seth Rollins or going to continue that. If Seth wins... I think that's going to indicate who's winning at WrestleMania and what Cody's plans for the future are going to be.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, we'll talk about that when we get to that main event a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I think, I do think it's going to be Austin Theory and Seth Rollins at WrestleMania for sure. Um, and I think that's how this match... It might be a little too obvious to make them the last two. Maybe you put Montez Ford as the last one against Theory and you have Theory uh, somehow deviously or sneakily eliminate Seth Rollins earlier in the match in a shock and a bit of a swerve. But, uh,
1: yeah. I don't know, though, man. Looking at this graphic. That doesn't look like a chicken shit heel. He's been looking good, I'll give you that. But that's the, the
0: way his character has been portrayed, and it hasn't changed too much.
1: Oh, I think we're going to get that full turn. It looks like they're trying to make him young Randy
2: Orton. I mean, I'd
0: be down for that. I think he's good enough in the ring, certainly. So. All right. We'll go ahead and move on to the women's Elimination Chamber match. I think this will be the semi-main event. Uh, we'll have uh, Carmella, Nikki Cross. Uh, Jesus, my brain's shot. I'm still losing names here. Uh, Rodriguez. Getting your first name.
1: Rochelle uh, Rodriguez.
0: Rochelle Rodriguez. Uh Liv Morgan Natalia and Asuka Kana.
1: Kana. Put some respect on the name. It's Kana.
0: <laughs> Asuka Kana. All right. That's we've got. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this one's intriguing, but it's a little more obvious, even more obvious than I think the first the men's is who's gonna come out on top. I don't think there's any way Asuka does not win this match.
1: See, and I'm conflicted with this one too. Really? You get a big Carmella comeback. You have Raquel Rodriguez, who they are pushing to the fucking moon with a goddamn jetpack on. You have Liv Morgan, who got, let's face it, eliminated in a really weird way. And then you got Kana, and you want to make her look strong as hell, so where do you go?
0: Well, that's why I think... But when we're talking about star power, and obviously Asuka had her big moment in the Rumble with the entrance and the reveal and all that stuff. Carmella had her return. They're pushing Rodriguez to the moon, absolutely, but she's not ready to to main event WrestleMania in a world title match just yet. And I'm not sure Carmella's at that point either. I think she's a star, but I don't think she's... I don't know. I don't think she's over like that. I think Asuka is. I think Asuka is just the clear and easy choice for WWE here. And they're pushing that gimmick, and they they sort of want that old Empress of Tomorrow monster kind of gimmick here that I think they're trying to get. And I think this is the way to get it. And they'll have her. I think she'll even defeat Bianca Belair at Mania.
1: Yeah, definitely feel like it's heading that way. Just kind of, you know, just Nikki Cross is Nikki Cross. Like, that's not a character that you want to put a belt on?
0: I mean, at some point, yeah. But I don't think... I don't think now's the time. We've just got out of the A.S.H. garbage. So let her build this character up some more and, and let it get over. Liv Morgan has fallen a bit. I love Liv Morgan to death. But her title run wasn't all that great. It was cut short. It wasn't booked well, and yeah, and of course Natalia is, you know, one of the best of all time. But that's she's at that almost like Dolph Ziggler stage where she'll be there to put everyone else over because she's just that damn good.
1: Yeah, I mean, with the whole Liv Morgan thing. You know, if I had to make a list of like the worst moments of 2022, is when she lost to Ronda, just for the fact that it hurt her stock so much. I, I don't think her career's ever come back from that.
0: Well, um, and it it looked like they had an idea with something interesting. The way she was laughing as she got as she was tapping out, and then for a couple of weeks there was this thing, and then sort of Vince McMahon booking style, it just got dropped out of nowhere, and I haven't seen anything about that. She's just been. On the show occasionally. And that's been about it. I haven't really seen her in any story. Unfortunately.
1: As far as Natalia goes. Like you said. She's unfortunately winding down. But I also feel like she's going to. Go down as one of the. Few women's wrestlers who didn't exactly get. What they deserved.
0: Uh, Agreed. I mean she started in a time. When. You know, before the women's evolution or revolution or whatever you want to call it, and you know they had that flatulence angle. You remember that garbage thing, and ugh, she just came up in that time when the women were just kind of the thing that you you went to the bathroom during, and and now she's in this great time, and she has been world champion, thankfully. But she's never really gotten a good run. She's always been kind of a transitional champion here and there. And, you know, someone, someone to just build other stars around. Uh, not, not around her, but someone to put other stars over. Someone who has credibility and people know is good.
1: And much, that's much like her male counterpart, Dolph Ziggler.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Okay. Now we're going to go
0: ahead and talk about the main event and we can go ahead and take our time talking about this one because there's a lot, I think, to unpack. Sammy Zayn with this story for the last nine months plus is going to get his shot against Roman Reigns for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. I don't think there's anyone that actually is picking Sammy here. The obvious story, and I said this when we talked about this match last week, the obvious thing here is, hey, it kind of looks like Sammy and Jay are on the same page. And then during this match, you know, Jay obviously betrays Sammy and sides to the Bloodline. And the Bloodline's back together again, going into the Cody match at Mania. And now you've got your heat with... The usos for Sami Zayn and kevin owens to come in but it seems everybody and their mother has said the same thing and now there's been talk that wwe did plan to do that but now maybe they're kind of changing things up and so i think it's kind of up in the air i think we could be looking at a dusty finish
1: you know you son of a bitch I was literally avoiding those articles because I didn't want to know what the swerve was when I read that WWE was looking at going in a potentially different direction for the finish of the match.
0: I didn't, I didn't read any of the articles, (laughs) the dusty finish is completely me. So I haven't read those. I saw the, I saw the headlines. I didn't actually look into it. I don't think they knew. I think the report literally is just that maybe they're looking at going a different direction. I think that's all that there is out there. I'm saying I was the one that, ooh, you know what? Dusty finish. Because, especially after that promo with, and, and again, you didn't see it, you gotta watch it, the Cody-Sammy promo on Raw. And it was actually great. It was at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, which you, you always have something big happen then at the top of the hour. And it actually wasn't at first, it was like a backstage interview with Baron Corbin asking about JBL... Uh, dumping him last week and the interviewer asked her a question about that and barely before Baron Corbin can get half a sentence out she interrupts him and goes, oh wait there's actually something important happening in the ring and they cut away <laughs> which, was, which was just a great little thing and they cut away to Sami Zayn rolling into the ring and saying, hey I, I I got to get this out. I need to talk to Cody Rhodes right now. Cody Rhodes makes his big entrance. And people, you know, they get the whoa in the song. People didn't just sing that part. They sang his whole song, which was kind of fun. And you could see it kind of surprised Cody a little bit uh, that they knew the words. And... I mean, it was a New York crowd. And... He gets to the ring, and Sammy goes... I mean, you blew away the world last year with everything you said between you and Paul Heyman, and you know I, there, that was great stuff, and it was exciting to see, and it was a a, a lot to unpack there. I think was the phrase he used, but he uh, he said, "There's one thing, there's one thing that you said that I've been thinking about nonstop all week long." you said that you believe I can beat Roman Reigns. Was that just lip service or do you actually believe that? And Cody Rhodes goes, you know, he says, he basically says, yeah, of course I believe it. I've got too much going on. I'm not going to BS anybody. I don't, just, just don't have that kind of time and energy right now. I'm not going to BS you. Yes, I believe that. The question really is, Do you believe that? And Sami Zayn kind of looks down and of course we get that New York crowd. That smart crowd. And they went to the way back El Generico machine and started going, Olé, 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 you know. And and so they had to acknowledge that a little bit but at the same time, Sami's got to be like, yeah, you know, no, I no, I don't. I, I don't know that I can beat him. He's like, I know I, know I can beat him. I, I know I have the ability. I just don't know that I will with everything going on. Like, you know, I've been there for nine months. I've been around him. I've been close to him. I've been within that circle. I've been next to Roman Reigns for so long. You haven't. I have. I've seen what he's done. He, God mode isn't just a shirt logo, it, he really is God mode. And so that was, that was great, and it's this great thing where, where now Sam, Cody Rhodes is sort of acting like a big brother to Sami Zayn here, and, and going, and the th- th- great line to end it, um, Cody Rhodes is talking about, well, you know, I won the Royal Rumble. And Michael and, you know, that was my story. And Michael Cole said it on commentary. I, I, I need to go finish my story. Finish my story. I will finish my story at WrestleMania. You need to finish your story. And that was how the promo ended. Sammy was like, oh, wow. Yes. And kind of backed out of the ring and went back up through the crowd Chill bumps. Even now, thinking about it, that, that line was delivered perfectly and passionately by Cody Rhodes. Like I'm, i literally, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now. It was that good, uh, Cody's delivery. I talk about that because I think that could have an effect. I don't think Cody Rhodes is going to appear in this match. Maybe he could. Because now that I think about it, he's not anywhere on the card.
2: But I could
0: very much see, rather than doing a swerves Sammy thing and kind of the obvious move, they can keep that going a little bit longer with that story and do... For those of you, when I say dusty finish, and I know Tony knows what I know here, knows what this is, a dusty finish is basically where the baby face, especially in a championship match like this, where he's challenging for it 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 looks for a moment like he wins and he holds up the belt and all this stuff it literally happened with dusty that's why it's called a dusty finish he also booked it a lot but when cody rhodes returned and they had that image up on the uh, on the tron of dusty rhodes holding up the holding up the wwf championship match that was a dusty finish where He was DQ'd, but he was declared the winner. He held up the belt. The fans cheered, but the belt had to go back to the champion. We've seen it with, perhaps most famously to our fans, uh, the more modern fan, Chris Jericho and Triple H on Raw back in what, 99, 2000, where Chris Jericho pinned Triple H. Earl Hedner did a fast count. We've got a new champion. And we thought that through the commercial break, the biggest pop I've ever heard on a Raw, quite frankly. And we've, you hear some big ones over the years. And, and then you get into another segment, maybe a segment or two later, Triple H is confronting Earl Hebner in the back. That was a fast count. That was a fast count. And Earl Hebner reverses the decision. So that was a dusty finish. I think you get something like that here, where you will have the image of Sami Zayn holding up those belts but for some reason the match has to either get restarted or something went down, something went wrong and Roman Reigns is still champion. And I think that would will will throw so much heat at Roman however it may happen. They got to be smart. They don't you don't want to you don't want them booing the booking, you want them booing Roman. So, but I think I think if they do it right, that would be fantastic cuz you'll have that that roller coaster. Oh my God, Sammy did it. Oh, no, he didn't.
1: All right. See, I like that. I like that a lot. However, I have a little bit of a different take. So the whole ole, 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 ole chant they went into. I don't want to pick a winner as much as I want to pick who we'll see in this match. I can guarantee you they may have Sammy come out with the El Generico mask on. And don't forget, he can do that because Ring of Honor doesn't own El Generico. El Generico exists in WWE canon, according to Michael Cole. And El Generico has competed on an episode of NXT. So it's not crazy to think that, you know, we're going to go back into the old bag of tricks here.
0: It is crazy to think that there's zero... I say zero chance that happens. Because this is, this is Sammy Zayn's story. This has nothing to do with El Generico. You know what I'm saying? From a character perspective and a thematic and a storytelling perspective, this has nothing to do with El Generico. Couldn't be further removed from El Generico. This is Sammy Zayn versus the Bloodline. And you want to stay focused on that story.
1: Whatever you say, boss.
2: Alright, but ha- okay, but let's, let's go ahead and say I'm wrong. Alright. Not gonna happen. Because
0: it happens quite a bit, actually, but No. <laughs> let's say he does come out at some point, or comes out as El Generico or has the mask on for a bit or whatever. How do you see that playing out? What happens within the match?
1: All right. So comes out this El Generico pop. Granted, Sami Zayn is from Canada. Most people in Canada are familiar with both El Generico and Sami Zayn. So if there's a place where you can get the crowd to pop for it, that would be it.
0: He's going to get a pop no matter what. I don't You're think right. He's going to get much bigger than, than the pop he's going to get regardless.
1: But nostalgia is a serial killer in professional wrestling. They do some sort of fan service, not just professional wrestling, but past the walls into like movies. They do some sort of fan service for the fans where they bring back a character from the past or the main character in this movie played a character in another movie and they'll have him in that get up for a second. Uh. Something terrible usually happens to that character that is trying to make the audience feel the
2: nostalgia. Right.
1: So while I will pick Roman to win it, I have this belief that they're going to give the fans in Toronto, that's where this is at, Toronto, right? Or is that Edmonton?
0: Yeah, uh, Montreal.
1: Montreal. So... While they're going to give the crowd in Montreal that little bit of fan service, it's going to be a prelude to Sammy not winning. It's not like the El Generico mask is going to give him like superpowers or anything like that.
2: I just, as I said, Montreal, and maybe you might suss out where I'm going with this. I say dusty finish.
0: You Screw think, job, uh, man. Screw job, somehow.
1: You think Sammy's just going to get up into the camera and go... <laughs> <laughs> All right? No, obviously, I think
0: there'll be allusions to it. It's in Montreal, and I think especially if you do a dusty finish, you could, you could say something like that. He gets screwed over somehow, and the match has to restart or whatever the case may be. And you could call it a screw job in Montreal, and you know have some fun with that. But
1: and all I'm saying though is it would set up a triple threat match between Cody, Sammy, and Roman at WrestleMania.
0: Maybe they're thinking that way, but if because Cody's
1: still the AEW guy,
0: if Cody's if they still plan on Cody to win, Sami Zayn can't be anywhere near that match because you want. If Sam if it's a triple threat and anyone but Sammy goes over, they're gonna boo. You you know what I mean? Yeah. If they if they want to push Cody over, they can't put Sammy, Sammy Zayn in that match. You could put you could put Sammy Zayn in Cody's corner. One thing about that promo, that here's here's an interesting thing we could say going into WrestleMania. One thing about that promo was when Cody was talking him up he was saying I know you can beat Roman Reigns you're the first person you're the only person to have put a dent in Roman Reigns and in the bloodline the bloodline is split apart right now you're the only one to do that so I could see a scenario where Sami Zayn is in fact in Cody's corner for that match and you have the Usos and the bloodline in the other corner and you have a little bit of a Hey, here's Sami Zayn. He's the foil for the bloodline. And that, that's how Sami Zayn will be the reason Cody wins. Yeah, I could dig that. So I, I can see that happening. And that promo being sort of the start of that story. That would be interesting. So we've got a whole lot of scenarios going on. Uh, I think it'll be a dusty finish. Tony thinks it'll be El Generico for some reason. Not as a finish. <laughs> yeah, but I don't see how that plays into any part of the story. So, at least not right there's
1: now. Introduction so, to Pop, the Pop is hometown. That only but, happens.
0: But, uh, and then of course there's the, the story we were sort of, everyone originally sort of say, oh, it's obvious what they're doing. Jay's going to turn on Sammy. So, and, you know, who knows? They could come up with some other scenario. Maybe somehow sammy wins nobody believes that in the world but it'd be one hell of a swerve tell me i want to know because we just had a really good conversation i want to know what you guys think i want to have a conversation with with you do you think we're getting a dusty finished do you think we see the el generico mask do you think something else is happening let us know down below in the comments please i want to know all right that'll do it for main topics So we're going to move into our quick jabs. We've got a few things here to talk about. I'm going to go ahead and start off with one, the one I mentioned earlier with Cody Rhodes and the Indies, because I know you're itching to know what this story is. Oh,
1: I'm so excited to
0: hear what this is. Apparently, Cody Rhodes has the idea that on his weight belt that says American Nightmare that he wears to the ring for his match and his gear, apparently on that weight belt, he wants to put the logo of every indie he worked for. While he was away, like every indie or indie, which does not include New Japan and does not include AEW, but does every it indie include Impact. Like, I don't know. Does does that include NWA? Could you have the NWA logo on there? Yeah. I don't know. You know, could
1: you have the All In logo? Uh, maybe. <laughs> oh that, my God!
0: That <laughs> who owns the copyright to that logo?
1: Does just the elite. Not not Tony Khan, not Chad, not bring of honor. So Cody would just kind of
0: have to have permission from Kenny yeah, and the Bucks, the Bucks right? Yeah. So wow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting because it, it, the word was indies. He wants to put the of the indie companies, which if he puts AEW on there, is he now dissing AEW as an indie? You know, so. Yeah. You you, you maybe don't want to go that far. Maybe you don't want to put it on there after it's been turned that way. But, uh, yeah, a a lot of fun there. Uh, So go ahead with uh, your... uh, All
1: right. So my first quick jab comes to us from the land of New Japan. So everybody knows by now my picks on this whole uh, Loser Leaves Japan match is that Eddie Kingston is going over for this reason. I believe he's going to WWE. And uh, if what this rumor is to be believed, uh, Jay White's not going to be going alone because WWE has reportedly expressed interest in signing New Japan pro wrestling stars Tama Tonga and his brother Hakaleo. Tonga teases a jump to WWE during an interview with Tokyo Sports. Um. Where Thomas said, I'm always the guy at the top. Look, what I have accomplished in my short career in Japan, I started the best unit ever, the Bullet Club. I was ostracized, nobody believed me, but that's okay. All you need is yourself. All you need is to believe in yourself. I will believe in the best wrestler. It could be the ultimate legend in New Japan Bro Wrestling, or it could be WWE, because WWE is knocking hard on my door, and I might just say hello.
0: I mean, that's certainly interesting. Of course, you get a lot of wrestlers that are always going to tease, hey, maybe I could go here and there, because they know it's going to get them headlines in the dirt sheets and people are going to be talking about it. But And also, there's probably some truth in it. He's probably like, maybe I will go there. I don't know. If it's a possibility for me, certainly. Why not? So, I can, you
1: know. And that's the other part, too, because, you know, it was floating around there for a little bit. That uh, you know, Triple H was very interested in having all the Fatus and that under the WWE umbrella at once. Right. So, it adds a little bit more credence to that.
0: Now, I'm going to piggyback off of uh, what you say there. Uh, there was another story that got a certain wrestler, who I'm a big fan of. Oh, I'm hitting buttons here. Uh, who got a certain wrestler that I'm a big fan of, who we've talked about a lot, named CM Punk, trending, once again, he seems to be trending every single day on Twitter just because people like to talk about him. But it has to do with, it was piggybacking off the Jay White news that, hey, he's, he's a free agent. Um, here's, here's a story here by SB Nation uh, that got people trying to figure out who uh we could be talking about. Uh this is by S- this is uh by way of SB Nation WWE reportedly has their sights set on a much bigger free agent than Jay White. Uh and that, that's
1: one of my stories.
0: That came about okay. <laughs> so that came about because of the observer uh that was uh Meltzer talking about that in the newsletter. Uh the direct quote here, I'll highlight it. Uh, It is not clear what is next for White, although one would suspect WWE or AEW would be his next destination because nothing else would make sense. I agree. Those in WWE who would normally know of major acquisitions during Mania season didn't know about this one. And I'll pause right there and say, during Mania season, Triple H might be keeping a, a few things close to his vest. So the people that would normally know may not know. I will say that. So that doesn't mean Jay White's not coming to WWE. Uh, But we'll continue the quote. Uh, He only said there was a much bigger free agent in play right now that was internally the priority. Of course, that made Twitter go, CM Punk return is imminent. Uh, And sort of half joking. Obviously, we believe CM Punk is still... Uh, under contract with AEW, though we don't know for sure. Uh, but trying to think of who would be bigger than Jay White right now as a free agent signing, it's because you got Jay White. You've got what?
1: Well, that's Punk may not be a free they agent. Leaked. They it, leaked it. It has been leaked from WWE officially. Who that star is? Who is it? One Mister. Kenneth Omega. Yeah, and that was, I was on the list
0: as well. The other one was Ibushi, which I did not believe because I don't think Ibushi is bigger than Jay White, especially for WWE's audience and the American audience. The other one would be Omega. And I don't think is- there could be a bigger, uh,
2: there could be, a, I don't think there could be a bigger. Uh, free agent. Uh,
0: why is it believed that he's a free agent?
1: So he's about to be a free agent. His uh, contract expires either the end of March or beginning of April.
0: So post-WrestleMania.
1: Yep, so it could be any of the Raw's after Mania or what have you. Um, so that's why a lot of people believe that He's the bigger fish or the bigger thing they had their eye on. Now, they had the bigger, him being the bigger thing they had their eye on, but not so much to be a mania as much as it is for him to be back or for him to be in the company, actually.
2: Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right.
0: Now now that I think about it, my other... A quick jab ties into this as well, so we're just melding all our quick jabs together here. And this is again CM Punk. There was a tweet by Chris Jericho who said, "I've always." It was a quote tweet. He was quoting someone else uh, who said who had a picture of the WrestleMania twenty eight WWE title match between Jericho and CM Punk, who said, "I love this match." you guys should come back to WWE and do it over again and have another big match. This guy obviously doesn't know what AEW was. or didn't care, (laughs) but, (laughs) but Chris Jericho quote tweeted the mat, the, uh, and I'll see if I can find it here. But Chris Jericho quote tweeted it saying, I've always loved working with CM Punk dot, dot, dot. And this has gotten a lot of people going, Hmm. Because we got that rumor that CM Punk... Or that Chris Jericho had told the A. W. locker room... He guarantees CM Punk will never work there again. He won't allow it. Right? But that was never... that. That's just dirt sheet rumor. We don't know how true that is. Nope. This seems to sort of fly in the face of that a little bit. Doesn't mean he didn't say it. Maybe he did say it. But maybe his feelings have changed a little bit since then. Maybe the locker room has been... Now that some time has gone by, they're more open to Punk coming back to AEW. Obviously, we know Punk's injury. We're about at the place where he could come back physically from that injury.
2: So, Revolution. Going,
0: potentially. So, and ooh, what a name for a pay-per-view to have a Revolution against the Elite.
1: But Oh, fuck! <laughs> right? I am way too on a legal substance right now for you to be telling me this kind of shit. <laughs> uh, But,
0: okay, and this ties into a whole bunch of stuff. Then you've got FTR, you know, and we know Dax has said, man, I miss pro wrestling already, and they're the kind of itching to come back. So I think the natural story would obviously be punk and FTR versus the elite, for the trios championships. You get to that, and that would be one hell of a story if everyone involved can play nice. Off screen. We don't want to play nice on screen, obviously. But uh, Wow, that was uh,
1: <laughs> chills. Chills.
0: Uh yeah. But that ties back into... Uh, What you said here with Omega, and it even says the Bucks could be on the market pretty soon as well. So you bring CM Punk back, or alternatively, maybe you don't bring him back. You just keep him under contract, and if the Elite do go elsewhere, you're going to need that star. And hey, the, the people he didn't like aren't there anymore. You can bring Punk back in at that point. So there's a whole lot of moving parts here still going on. Any, any thoughts on any of this that I just talked about?
1: Yeah, many. Holy shit. What, what a story would it be if Punk and FTR led a mutiny against the Elite? Loser leaves AEW. Like, wow. Well, that's not going to happen in a million fucking years. No, so,
0: but so. I mean, <laughs> if, if it comes down to them leaving... The Bucks and Omega decide... You know what? We do want to try our hand at WWE. And I'm sure Tony Khan... It wouldn't be... Uh, it, Tony Khan's the kind of guy... It seems like he wouldn't have hard feelings. He'd be like, yeah. And, you know, after a couple of years... If they do great WWE, they could stay. They could always come back. It's the company they built. But, I mean, man. If you could build up to a loser leave AEW match... If they do decide to go... And FTR and Punk are... With FTR and Punk... And them going over? Ugh. Ugh. That story writes itself.
1: And the thing is, is I can guarantee you Omega and the Bucks will be down to do business on that one. That, that, that's just so much fucking money on the line there. Yeah. yeah. Because it's the...
0: Especially if you can keep it from leaking that they're leaving. Which it would be damn
1: near impossible. No, 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 no. I got one but... better for you on that front. Go ahead. You got the three ex-WWE guys fighting to stay away from having to go back to WWE versus the three guys who are going to WWE and saying, fuck you ex-WWE guys, we're sick of you. Huh. That story right there could be crazy as hell.
0: Yeah, you, you could do it that way, sort of, uh, you know, sprinkle in some Behind the scenes stuff. I mean, this whole story would be all dirt cheap behind the scenes stuff because we'd be talking about Brawl Out, would be the yeah. genesis of this story. So, uh, yeah. And
1: let's, we're not, we're, don't put it past Tony Khan to put reality in the story. I mean, shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's, we just, we just booked the next uh, several months of AEW TV. Uh, I think you're I welcome. Could, you're welcome. You, you'll, you'll be regularly over a million on Dynamite here very soon if you, if you listen to us. <laughs> you'll get a streaming deal. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I mean, that story does basically tell itself. I mean, you could have twists and turns in there. Who would be healing Babyface? You know, you could go back and forth, I think. I, I legitimately think if you have an FTR CM Punk versus the Elite, obviously the Elite are heals right now, but. CM Punk in front of an AEW crowd after everything that happened. Will they cheer him? Will that crowd cheer him? I don't know. I don't know if they would. He probably will be getting some boos. And who's, there is no better heel, I think, than CM Punk in many ways. So he could play into that. You could do it like, like he, him and NJF did when they were in Long Island. MJF was the babyface and, and Punk leaned heel. And they could go back and forth, you know, depending on the crowd. So, that, that, could so be, that could be really interesting storytelling if they're able to do it
1: right. Let me just ask you the most random of random-ass questions ever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, this match, this angle, the heat is going to be fucking white-hot from it. And Triple H has said in the past he wouldn't be ex- against opening the Forbidden Door of sorts. And that match is what opens it. WWE is involved. AEW is involved with it. Would you be comfortable with admitting that maybe the elite is the greatest tag team trio in the history of wrestling that they brought together two major promotions? No. No.
2: Freebirds. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. And just remember, the NWO was a trio for a little bit, and yeah. so was DX.
0: They're thought of as a trio, kind of, with Nash Hall and Hogan, but I'd, they weren't for very long. I, I wouldn't think of them as a trio.
1: Wow. But you know, In the words of Owen Wilson, just wow. Like, dude. <laughs> that was good. That was oh. nice. All right. All right. Any other quick jabs you want to talk about here? I got two. And uh, this, this quick jab can, like, uh, erase time and go back to the quick jab before that about Kenny Omega. Kota Ibushi was recently asked in an interview if he has any interest in coming to WWE. And he said the stipulation is, is if WWE allows him to also train and create the next generation of wrestlers at the Performance Center, along with having some high-profile matches, he would most certainly work with WWE. So his only stipulation to come to WWE is he has to be involved in coaching at the PC somehow as well.
0: I, I don't think WWE would have any sort of uh, objection there if he were to take the time.
1: Listen, you get a Golden Lover's reunion in WWE. I'm here for it.
2: Sure. Sure. Why not? Okay. Was that it? Did you, did
0: you see? you had two more, right?
1: Yep. Last one. And this one's a little bit of the, uh, you know, money ball side of things. Vince McMahon is reportedly asking for $9 billion for the sale of WWE. And that is actually 30, almost 30% more than what the company is actually valued at, which is $6.3 million, Or Billion, my bad. Six point three billion. Is Vince McMahon just batshit?
0: Here's I'm a big Star Wars fan. We know this if you've gone over to Pop Splosion, you see me react to Andor episodes. When George Lucas sold Lucasfilm, which includes Star Wars and Indiana Jones, which we got a new Indiana Jones movie coming out, made by Disney, and uh, a couple other minor things. But mostly Star Wars, right? Star Wars is the moneymaker for Lucasfilm. George Lucas sold it to Disney for $4 billion. $4 billion and some stocks. And Disney's already made their money back. That was in 2012, so they made their money back fairly quickly when we're talking, because Star Wars is a merch machine, on top of that first Star Wars movie that they came out with under Disney, The Force Awakens, uh, they put $250 million into it, probably another $100 million in marketing. And that movie worldwide made $2 billion. It's the only movie domestically in the U.S. Not uh, Avengers uh, Endgame or Infinity War. Not, uh, not Avatar. Domestically in the U.S. and Canada and North America Force Awakens stands alone as the number one movie of all time. Only movie to ever cross $900 million. They sit at like 926 or 936 something like that. And Made another billion plus overseas to say nothing of the other four movies, plus Star Wars being really the breadwinner along with Marvel on the Disney Plus side of things in getting and keeping subscriptions. So they've made their money back and then some in the last 11 years. Nine billion? And what kind of income do you get that? Now, there's a merch machine there. There's no doubt about that. You can make a lot of money off merch sales. And yeah, you're throwing a percentage to the wrestlers, but it's not much. Because there's no collective bargaining. So WWE can make it whatever they want. And then it's the TV deals. The live events certainly produce some, some money. Y'all good? We will be right back in half a second. Okay, back. Sorry about that, guys. But uh, as I was saying, for a nine it, to put nine billion into an investment, and don't get me wrong, WWE is a content creation machine. And right now, content is at a high value. And you're putting out as much content as they are. That's worth a pretty penny for sure. But what do they get in return for that? Well, you got the live events, which are probably, which used to be what made the wrestling business. The live events are kind of chump change, more or less, these days. It's, it's TV deals, TV rights, and merchandising. So I don't know what their numbers look like for money they get from merchandise, but you can assume it's probably pretty darn good. How much money do they get from TV rights deals? We know some of these numbers. We know how much money they've gotten from Saudi Arabia to do sh- uh, shows over there. We kind of know some of the money that they're getting in these long term deals with uh, Fox and with uh, NBC Universal USA. So you can, to say nothing of the Peacock deal, which is a, another separate deal with NBC Universal. So,
1: which is horrible,
0: it, it sucks for the consumer for sure because Peacock's good for TV, but you're throwing that format for wrestling just doesn't work. But
2: all those things put together,
0: obviously, that's how you get a valuation uh, for what the company is worth. And and then some, and you can play that out a couple of years. I know when I worked at a restaurant that was getting sold. You know you, how much did the wrestler make? How much did the restaurant make in profit a year? And then you set that out a few years. And that was kind of what the sale was at. But nine billion just seems really, really high to me, and I don't know if they can get that. Five billion nope. seems a little high to me. So, I, I think five billion is feasible. I don't think nine billion is.
1: No, because just like the point you're making, um, there's no way in hell WWE is as big as Star Wars from a perspective of fandom. Um, right. You're talking about a movie that has a much higher budget to cover because it takes a lot more to film a movie than it does to film an episode of Raw, let's say. You have a building. Granted, the building is limited to people, but you could charge as much as you would like for a ticket. You do this almost every night of the year. You have unlimited money for ad revenue and everything like that. It still cannot be as wor- m- worth as much as a Star Wars franchise. Just impossible.
0: Well, and maybe it, maybe I'll dive a little further into sort of the numbers specifically, and I'll try and, and do some math on this at some point before our next show. But just off the top of my head, yeah, sure, a Star Wars movie made two hundred and you spent two hundred and fifty million to produce that movie. Then marketing yeah. that movie, you probably spent at least another hundred million, if not one hundred and fifty, two hundred million marketing that movie because you know it's going to be huge we're talking about we'll just say force awakens here the first one so we're talking probably 400 million maybe more before you've even made a cent then the, then the movie comes out along with all your co-promotions with walmart and target and all your retailers with all of your and that's where the merch money starts rolling in on top of the fact the movie Probably made. Uh, I think it made just under 2.1 billion worldwide. So 2.1 billion minus 400 million is your profit. That's pure profit. And then, and then you know you might have some depending on the territory. There might be a little to a to a a theater chain here or there. But for the most part, when you buy a ticket. All of, if not almost all of, that movie goes straight to the studio. That's why popcorn is, a, is a, as expensive as it is at a movie theater because they need to make their money too. So they're, you're paying a premium for that popcorn and soda you get because the ticket money doesn't go to them. When you. So yeah, they've made a billion and a half plus, plus merchandising right there so how how, do you remember what the number was for the saudi arabia deal
1: what the saudis were trying to sell it for no 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 no.
0: no for the for the for them to produce shows in saudi arabia a couple of years ago what do you remember what that deal was i'll see if i can look it up here
1: i i feel like it was six billion
0: but that was over the course between
1: six and nine
0: Over the course of 10 years, right? I think was the deal.
1: Yeah.
0: So 6 billion over 10 years. So that's not that much. That's certainly guaranteed money you're getting in. But over the course of individual, once you break down, that's a couple hundred million a year, which is good for two shows. Don't get me wrong. That's fantastic. But But you're also not getting any money from the gate there. So, yeah, you pay the boys, you put on the show. You're, you're still making out really good. But now we talk about TV rights fees. We're talking about Fox and USA. And we'll just individually talk. We, we'll, we'll leave out the Peacock thing for now. Whatever those deals are, and they're in the hundreds of millions over years. But as you say, they, they spend a lot of money on production. Now, they've gotten really, really efficient at setting up all that lighting. And once they've got it, they've got it. Now it's just a matter of manpower, setting it up, tearing it down, ser- setting it up, tearing it down, moving it to the next town, setting it up, tearing it down, moving it to the next town. And you're just doing that for two TV shows a week. You know, and then you got your house shows, which is very much smaller scale. You don't have the giant set. So there's not, there's no produ- almost no production budget going into your house shows, your live events. So those are more profit, but it can depend on where you're running it. You know, a building like the garden. So I'm getting deep into the weeds on this, but...
1: And this has been Freaky Finances with Bobby and Anthony. I,
0: I feel like uh, I, I've now started. I, I deserve to be on eighty-three weeks with Eric Bischoff at this point, but or maybe even strictly business. If you listen to those podcasts, they get <laughs> Eric Bischoff likes to run they his mouth real deep. But and it's usually informative. But you know, I'd, I'd have to look at those numbers and see. I just don't see nine billion.
1: Out of prayer, that was the long way around for us both to say no way in hell. Yeah, basically,
0: <laughs> I could see, I could see five billion. Maybe if Saudi Arabia gets a stick up their ass and they do want to buy it, maybe they are the ones that will throw out the nine billion. I, well, I obviously hope not, but yeah, I think, I think at most you're looking at five billion. Maybe you could squeeze five point five six. I'll, I would think more along the lines of it'd be close to that Lucasfilm deal for four and a half billion. All right. Anything else to talk about here? We just got deep in the
1: weeds on a sale. <laughs> yeah, I think I if I had anything, it lost it. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: That'll do it. We had a We had a fun time. I, I didn't want our, this episode to go this long because I know you're tired. You worked all day, so I appreciate you sticking around, Tony. I love you man. Uh I got some news here I want to talk about. We I will be I don't have a set date yet, I'll let you know as soon as possible. But the full-length version of this show on YouTube will eventually be its own channel and then the clip-outs will still be on BMP Sports. So I'll let you know probably by next week I'll have an actual YouTube channel that you can subscribe to with a trailer I will put together for the show already uploaded to that channel and you can go ahead and subscribe there it's not up yet next week I'll give you more information maybe even a date uh, but there's still some things I gotta work on but I wanna let you know that that's coming I wanna separate my full length show from the BMP Sports channel it's just gonna be the short clips on there the clip outs and the other stuff we'll do on BMP Sports like the card and classic wrestling review and then uh The show, the Buckle Bomb show proper, the full podcast, will be its own channel. Of course, the full podcast will continue to be exactly wherever you're listening to it on iTunes or uh, Google Podcasts or wherever you're watching it. If you're listening to it on the podcast version, that won't change. But on YouTube, here in a few weeks, we will change. I'll have a whole new graphics package because we know I can't stop fiddling with the graphics. But uh, (laughs) I always feel like I got to upgrade everything, but uh, I just want to throw that news out there. We got some fun stuff coming up, so be on the lookout for that. Tony,
1: thank you for Moving hanging out up. with me. Yeah.
0: Thank you for hanging out with us and talking some wrestling. Love you, man. Love you, too. preceding announcement has been paid for by Bomb Media Production